0: Hey Queeros, Cami here, welcome back, and happy 2019! I just wanted to let you know that I will be in Tampa, Florida, what? I've never performed there, and Buffalo, I think I have performed in Buffalo, uh, the weekends of the 18th and 25th of January. So if you live in those cities, and you live in Tampa and it's just too dang hot and you need to get inside, or if you live in Buffalo and it's just too dang cold and you need to get inside, come see me do stand-up comedy. I'd love to have you in the audience. Also, today's episode is an amazing chat. Like, seriously, this is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, wait for the reveal. Um, this is a really good one. Uh, this is with Fran Torado, who's a podcaster. He has a great podcast called Food for Thought. Also is a writer. Um, works at Out Magazine. We have a really interesting conversation. I really like this person, and I think that you're going to love this episode. So, joie. I've been feeling wrong. I'm stolen, on I know, I know, I know, it's careless. Thank you very much. Yeah, try that.
1: Such a good hostess. Yeah. Hello, hello.
0: I just feel like sometimes you you, you come in, you're like, I
1: know. oh, I'll do
0: that. But that's not how I be terrible, for 60 minutes. I
1: also have terrible posture generally. So, but I should just. We
0: should something. talk about that because there's like a, there's like a gay slouch that exists. And I would like to know if. That's what's happening for A you. gay
1: slouch. Yeah. I've never heard about that. Yeah, this. let's you the know what? Slouch. We have actually
0: already started the show. <laughs> what a great Well note to start so on. a lot of folks that I know that are like cultured female, like as kids and they're queer, um, it's like a thing we do to start Hiding our chests, so like move your shoulders forward, oh. and then also it's a thing we do to like take up less space. So it's like, yeah. ah, p- pardon me, pardon, pardon me, pardon me. You know, um, so there's definitely like a queer shoulder that exists for, you know, like humans that I,
1: that yeah, are yeah, no, the the, the, la- the latter presentation. Ha- but yeah. do you
0: does any of that? Do you think a factor I, for?
1: I think the latter your half passion? of your justification definitely makes sense. Like I do think. Thank that you for there calling the, a justification because
0: I think it is totally true. Is
1: <laughs> absolutely justified because, like, I think that there is there's a there's a a, a predilection to lean forward and not to to make yourself smaller or to like try and seem lesser than you actually are.
0: Also, literally to protect your heart and your chest. Like exactly. this is a vulnerable area. So if yeah, you're a person yeah. who feels vulnerable in the world, like curling your shoulders in. It's like a real, yeah. A common
1: defense mechanism.
0: Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so it's not you. You didn't do anything wrong. It's just the way
1: I was cultured. It's just the
0: way you were cultured. Amazing. Um, well, on this show, I always have folks introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. I am Fran Torado. Um, I'm a writer. I'm an editor. Um, I am the co-host of the podcast Food for Thought, which is uh, food the number four and thought spelled T H O T, which is a very important distinction. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I also am the deputy ed- deputy editor of Out Magazine, um, recently appointed. And
0: I feel like yeah, because I'm I'm familiar with you first through the podcast, so mm-hmm. I actually don't know about your writing side of things and what you did prior to working for Out. So yeah, what's your What's your g- give me your CV. I have this is a job interview. I know for the job right you already have. Oh and, gosh uh, no. well
1: I mean the long to make the longest story short, I um, you know went to school in India at Indiana University um, in large part because I wanted to go to the Kinsey Institute of Sex and Gender there and in small part because I was chasing a boy there. Um, and I was then stuck in the state of Indiana and absolutely hated it. And um, wrote a queer column for our local newspaper, uh, where I served as one of the editors there. And I think I, by the time I had graduated college in Indiana.
0: Indiana is in, it's in Bloomington?
1: Yes, in Bloomington. Have you been?
0: Well, yes, because Their there's Their comedy a com- sellers are really great. Yeah, there's a comedy club there- That's called the Comedy Attic that I've played many times. So I've actually totally been to Bloomington. It's like actually like a lot.
1: Yeah, and Bloomington is like a queer safe haven in what is an otherwise really awful state. (laughs) You know, like truly the only thing Indiana is good for. Oh,
0: I mean, and also I'm just guessing based on what I think your age is that you were you would have been a student there when Mike Pence was governor.
1: Yes, that is correct, and. And so, uh, you know, all of that is to say I did not feel (laughs) very connected to my community by the time I had graduated, and I also did not feel connected to representations of myself in media. So, like, at the time, all we had was Out Magazine, The Advocate, I think Huffington Post, Queer Voices, and, like, all those other, like, bar rags that just have, like, ripped, shredded, like, white twinks on the covers. And so I, you know, moved to New York um, to enter into a... A uh, publishing institute certificate program, graduate certificate program at NYU. Um, just to study the publishing industry. And I wrote on my application, I kid you not. Um, I want to change the face of gay media. Like that is kind of what I, set me too, out to kid. Do. Me too, me too. <laughs> I like was just a starry eyed little publishing uh, career person. And I, that's what I wanted to do. And so, you know, I, I moved to New York and went to NYU and. I was in McNally Jackson one day um, looking at magazines, which is, sorry, a local bookstore in New York. And I found a copy of Hello Mister, which was this, this gay men's literary journal that had just launched. And it was so beautiful and aesthetically pristine. And the stories were so heartfelt and flawed and beautiful. And, like, I, it was the first time I felt myself represented in a magazine. And and then I was like, ah, oh, shit. Can I swear? I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Amazing. I was like, shit. I, oh, you can – I can swear all I want. Yes, you
0: can. Yeah, you can swear as much as you want.
1: (laughs) And I was just like, shit, someone already did it. Someone already changed the face of gay media. Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, long story short, I emailed the founder and asked if I could help. And five years later, I became the executive editor of that magazine um, before it shuttered. Um, And so, and lovingly, like we were both kind of ready to move on to new chapters of our lives. And so this new... um, I think a little bit ago, uh, Philip Bacardi, who is the current currently the editor-in-chief of Out Magazine, mm-hmm. had reached out, had kind of tapped me and started courting me um, for this role. We'd been friends for a while, and he had kind of been hinting that he would be calling on me, and I didn't quite know what that meant. And so when I knew that it was going to be something for Out, and in my head— I wasn't sure if I really wanted to be a part of an Out Legacy, um, in part because of the things that I mentioned before. Out Magazine didn't really, has never in the past really represented what I think is an intersectional, very intersectional kind of gay queer media. I feel like it's very male focused. I feel like it's very white. I feel like it doesn't have, it didn't have a very like nuanced um, perspective, and I had never ever saw seen myself represented. And um, Philip was like, "Yeah, all of that is." You know, we we tot- I totally see where you, where you are, and um, that's why we're here. We're here to change it. We're here to make it radically queer and to include people that haven't been included yet. And that was the reason I signed on. Um,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. I will say it's very interesting to like starting out in doing my job. The some of some of those like the queer publications that you can find in a bookstore. Mm-hmm. So like out advocate or whatever mm-hmm. were like the, some of the hardest things for me to get to cover anything that I was doing because mm-hmm. I am a woman.
1: Exactly. And,
0: um, I, I mean, I will just say that openly, like, yeah. like that is, that is, that has absolutely been my experience and mm-hmm. it was really, that's not true so much anymore. I've, I've like been featured both of those places, but mm-hmm. it, it was like particularly strange to like have a straight focused mm-hmm. Publication give more of a shit about me hmm. uh, than than one of those magazines. Like it's like not. I don't. I don't even mean that it's personal. It's more so just like, whoa. Like that's a that's a. You're even just like leaving money on the table. Like mm-hmm. I just mean like it's not like just that that one type of person in our community. I'm, looking for something to fucking buy.
1: <laughs> I'm not at all surprised. I mean, so when the, the when the magazine launched in 92, it was it had it featured a, a man and a woman on the cover and it was a pretty it was supposed to be for the LGBTQ community at large. And then, you know, a, a new editor-in-chief came in, a new publishing director came in in 1996 and he was kind of like, you know, sales weren't doing so great and he was kind of like, "You know what? Gays and lesbians, they don't really have anything in common, and there's not much in between those two genders, anyways. And um, you know, so we should probably just focus on men. And that editorial legacy kind of sustained itself for decades. Wow. And sales went up and print sales went up, and you know, everything about the magazine started to succeed because we were focusing on men. And, you know, the pre- the the team previous at previously at Out magazine has actually done a lot of work. In the last three to five years, um, trying to actually be a much more intersectional magazine than it used to be. But I do think that Out Magazine holds what is um, that awful legacy. And that's what we're trying to shake, yeah. you know.
0: And also, I mean, it is interesting because you are right. Like the, the um, you know, completely monolithic uh, cisgendered white gay man mm-hmm. with a lot of money uh-huh. uh, maybe doesn't have a lot in common with the completely monolithic white cisgendered mm-hmm. like lesbian with a lot of money like exactly. those people maybe don't have a lot true in common but exactly. I think like for younger generations what's changing is that and maybe this always existed I just felt like it wasn't like exported to me so I just wasn't as aware of it but like um you know I feel like when I will because we both are from Chicago, which we'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. But I felt like when I lived in Chicago, I felt this 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 huge shift happening where it was like queerness and art, mm-hmm. artiness, and also like social justice stuff were touching in a lot of places that like I had never seen. Like I wasn't seeing that in a magazine. This sort of like – this is a party where like people might have facial hair. Don't assume that means anything. You know, mm-hmm. like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And um, that I think is what younger folks are – experiencing much more and I'm sure that always existed it's just like it's very hard to know our history because we are only exported a small part of that so like yeah that's not all the parts of the queer community are like that prototypical lesbian and prototypical gay man
1: right and when in 1996 like when he like made the big jump to do only men like I see understand his rationale like it's an easier task to cover one demographic. Sure. And to try and create content for the queer community is. Kind of It's kind of impossible, but it's a worthwhile undertaking because we are, as you said, not a monolith in general. Like we are, we comprise of cultures, of subcultures, of sub 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 -sub -sub subcultures, and there are there are just so many different ways to be queer. And it's too easy to make sweeping gestures about what kind of content we want to create when there are a jillion niches we have to fill. So you know, in the way that we are constructing out now, um, we it is. As intersectional as possible, but it it's kind of more so thinking about the fact that, as you said, the way the ways that activism and social justice are unifying our community right now in this very interesting pop cultural and cultural moment that we're in, um, is kind of bringing everyone to read content across their differences. So white people are now reading about race for the mm-hmm. first time in my memory. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, sure. I'm seeing straight people come out to watch movies about the queers, and so in the same way that you know a lot of mainstream media and, and um, cinema is trying to you know see what people are interested in in terms of consuming content across their differences, I think that our magazine is kind of ambitiously doing the same. We are presenting a wide gallery of like different ways that you can be queer, and kind of crossing our fingers that everyone across difference will read it. And yeah, if you don't, hope- then you find what's for you. Oh, right.
0: Know. I mean, I hope that that is successful. Because I think, I mean, just you know, I think it's great to talk about out, but I also think it's really great to put it in the larger landscape and just think about that. I mean, I think about it's not like just that I'm picking up out and being like, mm, I don't feel represented in here, but it's yeah. also anytime that you have um like the prototypical muscly cis white gay man as mm-hmm. the as um the focus. Also, like you do such a disservice to other types of gay dudes. Like uh-huh. even just within that, like let's say that uh-huh. there let's say that there doesn't need to be like a wider understanding of a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. What about like you have fucking nails on your nails? I know, right? You know, like yeah. what about you? <laughs> like I, I think that, you know, what that does is like cements misogyny, really. Yeah. Because when there's only one type of gay man that's chill, which is like, you know, puffed out chest. Dude, Mm -hmm. um, which by the way, like I'm into, you know, like that's the kind of guy I want to look at that guy, of course, (laughs) you know, but like when that's the only guy that we see, then it, I mean, it, like it hurts, it hurts you, you know, like it doesn't, it, and
1: it's, and I actually don't even
0: know, how do you identify?
1: I identify as a masculine of center person. Um, I often say that my pronouns are he and they. I will not necessarily reject. The label of man, but I don't like it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of um, interesting, and I think that um, in the way that in the ways that we're talking about gender right now, um, that I don't really have to decide. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's true. You All totally I know is don't. that people just know that my pronouns are he and they, right. and that's kind of it. And I'm right. figuring out the rest.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: thank you for asking. Yeah. But um, uh, what was the thing that you just mentioned?
0: Earlier? Oh no, just that it was, like it leaves out a huge. Oh Like yeah. even within, it's like if you. Let's say you're not like this person that's like intersectional, yeah. trying to whatever, blah blah blah. It's like this supports misog like misogyny. Misogyny hurts. It hurts cisgender gay men. Like, exactly. Like, that's and, also a community that's hurt by that. And it
1: also cements Eurocentric beauty standards. Exactly. And so the way the ways that, I mean, uh, this is, I've never said this in, in public or to anyone. Well, then I, this is the before, perfect I moment I know, to say right? it. Um, when I was, um, before I took the job, I did a lot of research about the history of this magazine. And I found a very interesting, like, social study of someone who took every single image of Out Magazine um, it, over the span of four years. Inside Out and a bunch of other queer publications and surveyed like what kind of um, images were being portrayed. And from 2001 to 2004, every single image of a man in the magazine, um, of them in Out magazine, 90, I'm getting the percents wrong, but 97% were white, 96 or 95% had no body fat and 94% of them had no body hair. So for four, at least four years of our magazine, but likely more, we were only showing what is our audience um, twinks. (laughs) You know what I mean? And not just showing them twinks, but um, Out magazine is the most read queer publication in the United States. Um, And that is a lot of space to hold. Imagine... The impact, or rather, the damage that Out Magazine had previously had over, you know, the decades that I was perpetuating that image. That's crazy. That's why I'm so excited to, like, take the reins of this new thing and to show people that there are just so many different ways to look that don't fit into a porn category, you know, and that I can have, like, my femi-faggy nails and my dangly earring or I can have, like, a skinny body or a larger body or I can not look, you know, structurally hot um, and still be interesting. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Or hot in general. Yeah. Like what is considered hot is I was just going to say, I mean, it's also
0: really strange because within that, there's also our own personal preferences, which don't match up always to beauty standards. Exactly. But then we're made to feel shame for them. I mean, it's also like on this side of the table where I am like also a masculine of center person, I Mm -hmm. think, Mm -hmm. but it's... It shifts all the time. Mm-hmm. I do identify as a woman, but that's part of that is like if you're raised as a woman, like politically, like you, it's just you can't, there's no, there's no moment where you just go, like, I haven't had those experiences. You mm-hmm. know, like even re- regardless of how you later identify, mm-hmm. like that, that, uh, crucible, like being raised in that crucible is, you know, a really wild experience. Yeah. And I'm sure that's also true of like, for other people that deal with systemic shit.
1: Yeah. Systemic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, uh, but that's why we're, that's why we're here. I we're know here it's so I love it. I love it. I was, cause I was
0: going to say, it's like, it is wild to be this person. And, and, um, you know, I remember when like Ruby Rose happened and everybody was like very excited about that. And <sighs> now like Lena Waith is happening. And, yes. and, um, However, I don't even care how you feel about those two people or their mm-hmm. body of work or whatever. Mm-hmm. If we actually just like zoomed back for a second, those are two people who are I think very very much right now and in and, and a couple years ago for Ruby Rose like being accepted in the mainstream community mm-hmm. who just have short hair. Yeah, that's literally they it. just they're just like <sighs> people who are raised as women who have short hair that are like main, that are like m- accepted in the mainstream. It's wild. Like, just that. Yeah. I can name, two, this is how many I can name, two. Two. And, like, because, like, Ellen was, like, I'm not really sexy. Like, that's not what I'm doing. I'm a, I'm selling dog food. And, yeah. like, <laughs> by the way, I fucking love Ellen. Like, she's very funny, but I just oh mean, like, that's what she was trying to do, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, that's where we actually are as a community yeah. is being, like, the first two short hairs may proceed. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know,
1: like- and, like, to mirror that example, like, we're in a an interesting uh, kind of moment in Hollywood where in – there are some white twinky celebrities that are now wearing cute nails or uh-huh. lipstick on the red carpet. Or what's um, his name? You know, who just did that, dressing playboy um, Ezra Miller, yes. um, was you know our is our newest gender fluid icon and twink. Um, we we ran. Oh, Im- is that
0: person not even use like a his?
1: Um, so actually. Ezra, has, like what's their name? Maybe From what I understand, Ezra has not like clarified their pronouns. Yeah. Word identifies as gender fluid, but, um, I has never clarified pronouns, but regardless well, of well, you
0: are the person that should answer this question. I know. Right. I you exactly, and I between the two of us, yeah, we yeah. will <laughs> be the ones that know whether or not. Yeah.
1: Regardless. Um, you know, we have a writer at our magazine or rather not a writer, sorry, our director of entertainment, Travel Anderson wrote an amazing piece about how it's interesting that the only people who really are allowed to become, quote-unquote, gender-fluid icons are so often these Euros— I adhere to these Eurocentric beauty standards, so like Ezra Miller's and Phil of the Future just had this crazy weird beauty— like, a gender-bending shoot and— the Nico Tortorellos and the whatever like I'm naming names but that is not to say that they're doing something wrong right it's just that we are um upholding these bodies in a way that is a little icky um especially given the fact that we have people like Jaden Smith or Keenan Lonsdale, Lonsdale who or like um are also DJ in the same Johnson exactly who i think is a
0: really i mean just by heritage like mm-hmm. just by like my i you know about me because uh-huh. my parent was an unbelievably successful, yes. like, m- like macho athlete.
1: Yeah, I love then that.
0: also contracted HIV. Like, just the yeah. whole, that that could be that person's story. And, exactly. And that their parents are like so supportive and stuff. So anyway, anyway. And,
1: but that is to say that those bodies are not being glorified oh, in yeah. the same way. No, you're and so, right.
0: I didn't, yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and
1: so when we, when I see like, you know, an Ezra Miller type um be championed. I'm I I'm excited because acceptance of people dressing across their gender, whatever the fuck that means, um, it means that people like me will feel more comfortable doing it, or people in high school or in middle school or even younger will feel comfortable doing it when they bear witness to these forms of representation. But I you know, I have to remind everyone and what Travelle said in their piece was that, um, we, it, they're only um, a, a middle point to a a greater future that will include hairy bodies, that will include bodies of different sizes, that will include disabled bodies, that will include brown bodies. Um, and I'm excited for that, you know, future of gender femme. Um, gender femdom gender fluidity whatever the fuck of the Renaissance that is happening. You know what
0: I, mean? <laughs> yeah. I like you. Oh my gosh! Stop. Yeah, no. I like
1: you too. Also, I
0: want to. I want to. I want to rewind a little bit because mm. I want to talk more about. Well, first of all, like one of the first sentences that you said was that you knew you wanted to go to the Kinsey Institute. Institute. yes. And I'm imagining, because you all, I'm imagining the age that you would be deciding that. And then I'm going like, how did you even know about it? Like, well, how, you're like 17 or whatever, trying to figure out co- a college Like, literally, how would that even come into your purview?
1: To answer the question as honestly as possible. So I, w- I went to theater school for one semester um, because, you know, as... Any, you know, queer in high school can create the realization that the first place they feel accepted is the Where thing that they to. Where did you go to theater to, school? I went to theater school at DePaul.
0: So I'm very familiar with the oh my DePaul gosh. Theater School. Because my little sister went there. No way. Yeah.
1: So I went to the, conser- I was in the theater conservatory yes. on a directing and writing track um, for one semester. Um, it, uh, honestly, because, you know. When you're in high school, the first place you ever feel accepted is the place you want to spend the rest of your life in, and that was theater for me in high school. I had a really robust theater program then, and so when I went to, I was like, when I went to college for theater, I was kind of like, this is what I want to do. And then one semester and I was like, nope, it's not. This is not for me. And so um, I ought to be completely honest. I just like wanted to go to the school that my boyfriend at the time was going to, and so I yep. googled, googled the school, did some research, saw what they were doing, and I was like, sex and gender, that's cool. really cool. And and again. Indiana University is not known for a lot of things, but it is known for the Kinsey Institute. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, one of the greatest kind of research facil- facilities and schools to study gender and sexuality in where, general.
0: Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Chicago. Give me a name of a suburb. Oh my God! So I was born on the South Side, um, and and was there until I was like five or six. Then we moved into Western Springs.
0: Wait, wait, wait.
1: Are you from Western Springs? I'm gonna die. We
0: are from the same. T- this is my mom right here. My ah! mom is here. Hi, mom. And my Western mom lives, lives there.
1: <laughs> no way. That's insane. We,
0: we are from the same hometown. This is a town of like fourteen thousand people. This is
1: crazy. <laughs>
0: Wait. This wow. is truly where you.
1: Where did you go to school? I went to school so Highlands and then Lyons Township. <laughs> I did learned you?
0: To drive at LT. I didn't go there because I was. Oh. I went to Catholic school, oh but I went God. to. Um, I went to Bennett.
1: But like, you I went to Bennett, know, of course. Terrible. I went to Bennett. Yes. Bennett had big lesbian energy. As oh well. my like gosh. Holy, you know I'm right. You know I'm right. You guys well, had uniforms. Like, yeah, uniforms, you had the,
0: three sport athletes. You, you know did it. this. Mom, I'm pointing to your mom. My mom. Your mom I turned you into from, a lesbian. I can't believe you're from Western Springs. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, LT's where I learned to drive, it's where I learned to swim. Like, I went no. to like the swim program, swim program I love class there. at LT. It was so yes, good. What? I did that
1: too. I wonder if we were in the same swim
0: class. Oh,
1: Wow! That is so wow. Mind Wow!
0: I and I grew up like walking distance. Like I could like if that's where I went to high school, I could have I could have walked there. Oh Ugh. my gosh Kirsh That's bombs. crazy.
1: Um, <laughs> duh, Kirschbombs was the shit when it was open. think, uh, you know it had a, it. It's winter break. Yeah, it does have. It this has is like a month or is a long cookie winter store break. break in yeah. our hometown. An incredible cookie store. It's a really good. Cookie they have store.
0: great smiley face cookies. Great smiley face cookies. I can't believe cookies. this is where you're from.
1: Donuts. This yeah. is the
0: weirdest this thing.
1: Is bonkers. Wow, okay. this is why I feel so connected to yes. you. Yes. Wait, what sign are you again? we Oh, I'm a
0: Libra. About...
1: You're a Libra. Are... All my friends are Libra. <laughs> All my best friends are Libras. I'm is... a Taurus.
0: I can't believe that this is true.
1: Wow. I have to pull
0: my face. Okay. Wow.
1: Our charts are probably what? Okay. We'll do some we'll analysis after.
0: Hop on a little bit yeah. of co-star.
1: <laughs> I love <laughs> a co-star That's moment. Really... <laughs> That's amazing. Really... Oh.
0: Um, wow. Okay. So, because a lot of times, then what I do is I like ask a bunch of questions about where this person grew up to like, <laughs> but you sort already of, like, know context. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, uh, I think I'm I think I'm um maybe even just because like queer queerness runs in like micro generations. Mm-hmm. I honestly bet I'm probably like two generations older than you because mm. I'm 37. Okay, yeah. How old are you? I'm You're 27. 27. I was going to yes. guess that that's Amazing. the age I thought you were. Wow. So I think it's like almost every 5 years or even less there's like many generations of our community just because especially in our lifetime, how fast things have gone. Exactly. Like growing up in Western Springs at 27 versus like being 30, like I can't even imagine. Tell me what it was like. It was because it was, I'm sure totally very different and also completely (sighs) the same. Like I'm, I'm sure
1: it was pretty much this. I bet you it was the same. I mean, it's just a very, it's a, um, a community of people that don't like to talk about, anything that would disturb the status quo. Oh, sure. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it was a lot of bad people, but I do feel like a lot of my community and also the community of the church that my family went to were complicit in the silence what of church did you find? I went to Western Springs Baptist Church. Oh, okay. Which is a kind of new church. I went to
0: St. John of the Cross.
1: Oh my god. St. <laughs> John? Wow, again big anyway. lesbian energy of um, that church over yeah. there. Um but yeah, I I do feel like my biggest takeaway from growing up especially in that suburb was just kind of like if you're gay don't talk about it. And uh, even, you know, going to a Baptist church um homosexuality was probably mentioned like twice ever in the entirety of my childhood experience um, there. All I knew is that it was bad um, for a series of reasons that my parents had alluded to. Um, And so, you know, it was an interesting place to grow up in, in that I feel like, a lot of my sexuality was just, like, put on hold (laughs) because it's so sterile and proper and censored. Um, But uh, my parents are also very Christian, so I kind of grew up in, like, a cultural vacuum. I wasn't allowed to consume a lot of the same things that all my friends were consuming. Uh, I thought Christian music was kind of the only music until, like, (laughs) my, you know, later... Until I was, like, 15 or 16. Um, And then I discovered... Um, you know Beyonce and also Michelle Branch and Gwen Stefani at like the same at the same time. Um, the Holy Trinity, really. <laughs> um, of of people to Michelle disrupt Branch is kind
0: of the um the wild card in there. But I really but I'm is. not. I don't disagree. Well, but it's- she
1: taught me to rebel. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. she was so angry all the time. But. She made it look so sexy. Um, so anyway, I'm a big Michelle Branch fan. I could talk about th- that for another 45 minutes. But um, well, let's restart the podcast and we'll just sounds we'll great just start this there. Michelle Branch episode, a special I episode. Special episode.
0: <laughs> well, you know what I think might actually be the difference because I I think what you've described was pretty similar to my experience, and I wonder if that the big difference is like that 10 years um, between you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wasn't even, I wasn't even. Culturally aware of queerness, homosexuality, lesbian, like at all because yeah. um.
1: of the vacuum.
0: Alan hadn't Alan hadn't come out yet. Oh, like yeah. shit wasn't on TV. Like there weren't like like there was like one like Ricky Vasquez was on my so called life when I was like mm-hmm. a child. Like Wilson Cruz, that hi, hi Wilson, shout out to Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, still a great actor was like was like appearing on my TV for the first time. So it was something that. Um, like the first, when I would have been growing up and living in Western Springs, there was a thing happening where, like, for TV ratings, they were having, like, a lot of, like, lesbian kisses on TV. That was mm. something that was happening. Like, it was, like, on Ellie McBeal, or it oh was, my like, the yes. movie Cruel Intentions. Sex in the City. Happened. Exactly. Sex mm. in the. Mm. So, like, that stuff was all happening. And that was kind of, like, it. In terms of just, like, ways it could have been confronting us from the outside cuz like you're right it wasn't certainly wasn't being talked about like in the community mm-hmm. but it also wasn't like if you t- turned on your TV you had to flip past it a lot mm-hmm. cuz it was just like not really around right. and i think that um it would it, it would have been interesting to have been there when there was just and not that it was like everywhere but just a little bit more yeah cuz then it it's interesting to see that the like response stayed the same like even if there's just like a few more people drifting past on a magazine cover, you know? Exactly. But, but that it's still like, that's something that's not here.
1: Yeah. And growing up in such a kind of reserved community, I do feel like, to your point, like pop culture kind of saved my life, mm, you know? Yeah. Ellen is one of my earliest memories, of even knowing what the word gay meant. Yes. And I remember very vividly, like we were, me and my mom and my sister were sitting in Sam's Club, um, you know, getting a slice of pizza and a slushie, as you do. It was a treat. Um, and... I think we were talking about finding Nemo or something. I don't remember how old I was. All I know is that I was very young and my mom was like, "Okay, but that's voiced by Ellen DeGeneres and Ellen DeGeneres as a lesbian and
0: that's bad." So like this so that is, you know, like I grew up and Rosie was on television, mm-hmm. but not out. Like mm-hmm. what a weird it's it was also a very confusing experience because it's not like these people weren't like signaling what yeah. was going on. Like yeah. Rosie would be on TV and she was like Really into Tom Cruise for some reason. That was like a big part of her talk show. Oh yeah. Um, but she also was like winking at the camera. She had Ellen on, and the two of them like winked back and forth at each other for like I've never you know, seen that. I have oh my god, to say you have that. to look this. Oh, up. Oh my
1: gosh, I cannot wait to watch but, that when I get home. But
0: it was also very. So anyway, my point is, it's like it's like if I saw you or mm. if I saw me, and it's like jean jacket, like short hair, or yeah. like nails. Earring, Earring, but then you're just Mm -hmm. like, mum's the word. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And so that's also a very Mm -hmm. strange Mm -hmm. experience because it's not like people weren't on TV. They were, but they were just like, nope, that's not what I like. Love Tom Cruise. Like, that's who I'm into. You know, like, imagine if my stand up was like just about how much I love Tom Cruise.
1: (laughs) Confusing, right? I mean, honestly, I would watch, (laughs) (laughs) would click. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. Sounds like we got your next tour (laughs) lined up. If you're
0: a little kid trying to understand, like, what do I think I am? And then other people are like, what I am with this hair and this kind of bearing is a Tom Cruise lover.
1: Me, My earliest probably bearing of, like, what I thought I was meant to be was likely Will and Grace. I wow, think yeah. mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cliche as well. And there are a lot of reasons why no, I like that's yeah. And there are a lot of reasons why I hate that show, but it definitely was something that, you know, you would I would sit um and watch on the TV while my parents were in the other room with my finger hovering over the last channel button so I could change Absolutely. it in case they came into the room. Sure. You know? Um so that's definitely something that comes to mind. But as I was saying, like pop culture is the thing that you know, saved me. And my parents, again, very conservative. So, like, I wasn't allowed to watch, like, which movies. I had to read the first four Harry Potter books in secret. I just saw Hocus Pocus last year. I find
0: Hocus Pocus to be my limit of scary movies, by the way. Just in case, <laughs> sometimes people are like, you can see, like, this is a scary movie, but it's not, like, that scary. You could probably see it. And I'll be like, let me give you my limit. limit. <laughs> it's Hocus Pocus. Is it scary? scarier than that? And then um, so the funny. answer is yes. That's a great. Literally everything is scary. <laughs> Actually human life is scarier.
1: <laughs> Truly.
0: Driving the is nas- like the much of the scarier than that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah, that sounds about right. Like Hot
0: Topic is scary. Anyway. Um, I wasn't
1: allowed to go into Hot Topic. Yeah. Part. My there, mother detected an evil spirit in there. And oh she my was gosh. like, we got to get out. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, fair.
0: But not wrong?
1: <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Okay, I mean, this is. Wait, I feel like you were just saying something that I wanted to ask another question about. It was pop prior culture, hocus, hocus pocus. It was something else that you said, and I don't remember what it was. Oh my god,
1: pop culture. Friend. We talked about um, Kinsey Institute. We did a We didn't. Well,
0: okay. I have. About. I have something I can refocus on. Mm-hmm. Then you get to New York. Yes. This seems like all right. I'm just. I understand that there's like the semester at DePaul, but I also mm-hmm. know DePaul's a Catholic school. Yeah, yeah. So like, even if you're in the theater program there, there's like. Some, yeah. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. um, then you're going to Indiana University again, mm-hmm. most progressive thing around, but mm-hmm. still like
1: not a great like, like yeah, a, still insular, still still
0: like weird. I could go through like the yeah. whole
1: grinder roll in like five minutes. yeah, sure, you know then
0: New York City uh-huh. what like
1: <laughs> my mind was blown. I, you know, I moved to New York City kind of thinking that I would do the graduate certificate program and then move away to a place with mountains and, mm, uh-huh. you know, do and like figure Los Angeles. out. Yeah. And like yeah, I was mountains. like, the publishing world exists every anywhere else. Like I can just work anywhere. It was just not true. The, you know, because New York is kind of the center of the universe. No offense. Um, Ooh. Ah, shots fired. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just You kidding. will feel
0: differently when you're 30. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're like I'm being it is the center of the universe but also that's very tiring. Um I could use like a sli- slightly outside the perimeter of the center of the universe.
1: Yeah, and exactly. And so but I knew I kind of thought after being in Chicago for so long that the a city wasn't really for me. And I had been in New York for maybe a month and I went to what was my very first New York Pride. Um And I remember going to the rally alone because Lady Gaga was rumored to be there, and at the time I didn't even care that much about Lady Gaga, and still don't. I think she's amazing, but I'm not like a Gaga stan. But I went because I was like, I've I'd never seen a celebrity before, and so I remember showing up to that rally and feeling the energy of that space right after um the the Supreme Court had um turned had basically um. Oh wait, what was the what was the Doma? Yeah, it turned down Doma, thank you. Um and because of um Eddie Windsor. Yes. Uh, and I remember I had n- not only ne- ever seen that many queer people in my entire life, um, but I had never felt that held by a oh, group man, of people so that cool. I didn't even know. And I was addicted to that yeah. feeling. And I ca- I'm constantly trying to replicate it um, by surrounding myself with uh, incredible queers at all times. And that <laughs> place is New York. So, yeah. Um, I do think that I, I believe very fiercely in exclusively queer spaces, um, spaces that really only are for queer and trans people um, sometimes. Uh, and I do, and, you know, I if I think right now off the top of my head, if I were to line up every single friend I have in New York city, like um, the only straight ones that I have are trans uh, and aside, maybe like two or three like straight cisgendered people um, and the rest are queer. And I I like surrounding myself uh, with a community um, because I feel safe and I feel like I can exchange information and I feel I can get things that I need faster um, with a, element I think the word chosen family is kind of overused sometimes and I'm even the one who like overuses it to be honest but um I do think that th- the the we can have chosen family with so many different kinds of people when we're constantly surrounding each other, you know? Um, and it, so, so often I think we don't open up to the possibility of having family outside of biology because the word family holds too much meaning. And we're like, well, they're not that special to be family, but like family really is all around you in ways that you know, you don't really recognize. And I think when I first moved to New York, I implicitly knew that like my family was here. Wow. You know what I mean?
0: I well, I, You know what? I really do. This is very interesting that you bring this up because, um, I just, I, I wonder how the order of this will come out. Cause the, we don't always release them in the order that we recorded them. But mm-hmm. the most recent episode of this podcast, um, was with Dan Savage. Who's mm-hmm. like, uh, like, a uh, person who grew up in a very different time than I did, mm-hmm. but um, who was really important to me as I was coming out. Same. It was, like, I read his column. That was the first gay person I, like, mm-hmm. you know, knew. And then I got to, like, know him a little bit. Not like we – but, like, through his podcast or he came to some shows sometimes or we've talked on the phone. It, and it just, like, made me feel amazing because I could thank him and be, like, yeah. like this is rad. And I've also had people do that for me be, like, thank you. That, you know, and that's it's amazing that, like, chain of of passing things along. So mm-hmm. I – I use the word family all the time. Mm. Like, I, that's really how I feel. Mm. Um, and I brought, I mentioned that with him, and he was just like, I, that's not how I feel about the gay community. I do not feel that, like, queer people are my family. Like, I feel like I have, you know, most of my friends are queer, but that's not the feeling that I have. And yeah. we had, like, a back and forth about it. So I wonder if people have already listened to this or they're, if they're about to listen to this. But we had a back and forth about it. But you and I, mm. actually, can I ask because of your yeah. last name? What? Is, what?
1: Oh, oh please. Um, what? My mom's side of family is Mexican uh, and Spanish. Uh, my dad's side family is
0: Mexican and Puerto Rican. So I'm I'm Italian. Yes, and I wonder if also there isn't like some I don't know because like I was raised to think in like Italian culture, Italian American culture, like kind of the biggest um, compliment you could give somebody is uh-huh. like that their family, like truly. It's, it truly is like a um, it's like an honorific or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. so I think that that's how I, f- why I feel this way about queer people because I feel so, com- I feel like what other compliment could I possibly give you besides that your family, you know, and exactly. like, and also what other sort of expectations could I have of you besides that your family? And also what expectations of, like, could I have of myself of wanting to protect you and like, and, um you know, be with you. And t- for me, that's like the most extreme version of like, like, I can't think of anything more extreme than that. So yeah. that's why I apply it, but yeah. it, so anyway, it's very interesting to hear you say that you have the same feelings.
1: I'm also I'm I'd be curious to listen to that Dan Savage interview, but also I'm not surprised by his answer in large part because you know he has been and as, um, honestly most people most queer people in the public eye have been attacked viciously. That's really by, kind of what he said is okay. that he
0: has been trashed by like so many. Di- you know when you're. He's been trashed by so many different yeah. types of people. And so I can a lot of,
1: imagine. Yeah. Why he wouldn't feel held, but and you know, in, to that point, I do think that there's also we forget that queer people can hurt other queer people, you know, yes. and that and that's and your family can hurt you, um, but that doesn't you know mean that they're any less special you know <laughs> I mean? or that they're any less family. right.
0: I mean, also, I would say, you know, when I think about some of like when I think about the ways that queer folks have hurt me. It's not the people who've hurt me the most. Like, I actually think, like, the scariest experiences I've had have usually been with, like, to be very honest, like, straight cis dudes. Mm -hmm. But I also think when queer folks let you down, it sucks so much because because we know – or, or if we allowed ourselves to know, mm. we could understand where each other are coming from. Exactly. Like, even if you've had the most – like, you've had a great experience and your, your parents were chill with it and you didn't have faith that you were coming up against. And you are the beauty ideal. Like, <laughs> if all those things are true, you've still been called a name, like, one time. Yep. Like, there's just there's – there's not a person that hasn't had that experience. So you can always magnify your experience for someone else in your community
1: aside from being explicitly called a name or experiencing a bigot in person you know we are implicitly reminded by society over and over and over again every day that we are less extraordinary than we actually are you know what i mean and i do and my, my to me one of my favorite things about being queer is that we are by default Extraordinary, you know what I mean? Like, uh, extra, yeah, yeah. We, I stand, feel that. we stand outside yeah. the norm, and we have kind of what I believe to be a superhuman ability that not everyone is gifted with. Yeah, that sets us aside from the rest of you know society, like an X Men. And I think that there are an, a part of what a lot of my body of work is surrounded around, whether it's the book that i'm writing or whether it's the magazine that i'm carrying or whether it's the podcast that i host is helping queer people who don't live in cities and don't have this surrounding of family and this these exclusively queer spaces to recognize that they wield an extraordinariness in their queerness That they are not using enough to their agency. And that by being so extraordinary, um, by leaning into that extraordinariness, they can be more confident, be a more incredible person, can be their absolute best self by being queerer and more fierce about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that is, and I think that a lot of the messages. You know, the podcast gets a lot of messages, and I personally get a lot of messages every day and each week and a lot of emails and a lot of things. And, like, kind of the resounding things that I always hear back are, one, thank you for helping me find my community online and in the audience of the, the people that I talk to. Right. And then also, thank you for – or rather, like, your – the things that you do have – are encouraging me to be more queer, mm-hmm. which is such a, you know, it sounds like a vacuous thing to say. Like, what does that even mean more queer? But like, you kind of know what I mean. Oh, I, you know see, well, what I, mean?
0: I of course. Yeah, of <laughs> course. I mean, I look at the way, well, something that I hear a lot when I traveled, especially to like, um, smaller markets, mm-hmm. um, people always tell me how long they drove to get there to the show. Like, there's always, like, a, I, like six hour or, like, whatever, you know, because they're coming in from whatever, a more rural, rural area. And uh-huh. then the other thing I always hear is, like, I haven't seen this many, like, visibly queer folks because yeah. I think if you maybe are in a place where you have uh, less in terms of numbers, like, whatever, you're – Perhaps chilling out your presentation a little bit, but like yeah. not tonight. Like exactly. you don't have to tonight, you know? Exactly. So there's a lot of people, um, you know, with like motorcycle jackets or with, you know, what like literally whatever is their <laughs> whatever version the of that is, is yeah. you know. And it's um it is really cool to see it. Cause I hear that a lot and I and I and I also like see it with my eyes. You know, it's yeah. not like I walk out and go like I don't, I don't, I don't recognize that. I'm like, this is rad. Yeah, this yeah. is people being like, oh, I put on my Cameron Esposito outfit or whatever, and like, that's a to me because I believe everything you're saying. It's like yeah. such a big compliment. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like you know, you planned it out. You wore a tie or whatever. Like is the thing that they felt like they couldn't always do.
1: People have started to DM me pictures of their nails because that's so I, cool. I don't, I, I wear the same nail color and I try to keep a regular manicure because it, one, I, I love the the soothing therapeutic quality of of being um, having your hands touched for you know an, half an hour um, but also because it helps me not bite my nails um, and, and bite my my cuticles but like getting people to send me screenshots of their red fingernails has been like so much more it's something that I never would have expected but means so much to me in yeah. in crazy ways and it's to, exactly to what you said I'm enabling them to be more. Queer, and yeah. that you know, being more queer to me doesn't always mean visibly you have to be more visibly queer because there are places no. where in that's dangerous for you, and you don't actually have that option. But I think another version of being more queer is um tapping into queer culture on the internet and c- consuming queer. I cultural was just forms, gonna say, you know,
0: consuming queer media because yeah. I also think you know we're shamed out of doing that. Like it's exactly. literally like, well, that's like a gay movie. Mm-hmm. and since and why would I want to see that? I'm a straight person whoever this like mythical straight centaur is that's like gliding across the sky (laughs) telling us all how to behave and you know so yeah absolutely whatever the form is that 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 takes Mm -hmm. uh like feeling cool about it yeah feeling good about it
1: exactly
0: well also i want to ask you because i don't even know if everybody would know Everybody that listens to this show would know, like, what you're talking about when you say exclusively queer yeah. spaces. Like, mm. what does that mean? Describe that to me. What is that like?
1: I I believe very fiercely in um, – I've been using the word fierce a lot, but – and I don't even love that word. But whatever. Um, but I, you have been
0: saying fiercely. Fiercely. So you've been using, like, the adjective. True, true,
1: true. The yeah, adverb.
0: adverb. Oh my god! Adverb. I'm fine. Um, English
1: language so hard. Um, I'm
0: trying to <laughs> string myself with the headphone
1: cord. I believe in the ways that exclusively queer spaces, meaning spaces that um, only are only inhabited by queer and trans people, and no one outside of that. So, like,
0: what does that look like? Uh, what's what's a place that you could
1: name or describe? The first one that I ever experienced was actually in Indiana. The editor, my the editors of my Um, newspaper that I was also an editor at, invited, texted me. I don't even know how they got my number. I didn't even, I wasn't even friends with them. Um, And they said, Gay Wine Night is on Fridays at 9 p.m. Um, Bring a bottle of wine. And I was underage at the time. Uh, so I brought a box of Triscuits,
0: uh,
1: and <laughs> Good I, could, choice. I know right? I didn't have delicious. a fake ID. Um, and I showed up at, to this person's home, and inside was um, just a bunch of gay men, kind of like laughing, and and they were surrounded by like dates wrapped in bacon, and there was a giant bottle of colorosi on the table, and like they were just like drinking and laughing and talking about Hillary Clinton and like BDSM and like all these things that I just had no frame of reference for. I had I was still I. It was only out of the closet for like a year and their kind of MO was no, like no straights allowed. Like it was a funny thing to say, but it was really, that was the policy. Um, And I did not miss a single gay wine night for the duration of my college career. I felt so safe inside that room, um, but also learned And and have a lot and owe a lot to the formative ways that those conversations we had every night um, taught me about my community or the things that I liked or didn't like or um, was ashamed of and didn't know it. You know what I mean? And so even though that's a very you know gay cis version of what uh, an exclusively queer space can look like, I seek to replicate a version of that everywhere I go. So me and one of my creative partners, um, Justin, uh, we. We have a monthly dinner called Communion uh, where we invite 25-ish queer people to come and we make them dinner. And um, each dinner has a theme and we have like one little table topic that goes around and the rest is just, um, you know, Talking, is talking. I love that. And it, it's very low-key. Like, we're, our, I'm a, we explicitly don't want it to make money. There's no hashtag. You don't need to post about it on social. Like, we have a lot of, like, media people that come into it. And, like, we take their last names off of the cards. Like, this isn't a networking event. This isn't sponsored. You know what I mean? We want queer people to just get to know each other and know across their differences. And, and to me, honestly... Uh, a lot of the reason that I created that space with Justin was because I had felt my gay community homogenizing itself. And that includes me. I just saw that like all my friends were men and I was like, what is that? Like, why, like, why am I even, how, how did I become so comfortable um, in this friend group that um, isn't really much of a community if we all look the same? And, um, and that's why I started trying to create – and, you know, as I started to have more and more friends across that weren't, you know, men, um, I was like, wait, this is a thing that all gay men experience. As we – we homogenize ourselves because we feel safe in, inside that. Um, but I do think that we have to have – Queer friends and trans friends, and we have to have non binary friends, and we have to have people in our lives that aren't the way we look in order to move the queer community forward. As much as we sometimes hate each other <laughs> across our differences, you know, sure. inside the queer community. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, you know, I will not express my opinions on the TV show Queer Eye, but when Tan, um, in that episode was like, I've never met a trans person before, um, I was kind of like,
0: Oh, I'm not caught up. I actually. Didn't so there was an episode know, where Tan was like, Oh,
1: I've never met a trans person before because they made over a trans person, a trans man. Um, and I was like, What? And was like throwing shade and like thought that was so stupid. And then I was like, Wait, that really is extremely common. Yes. For a lot of gay men or a lot of lesbians or a lot of, you know, whatever you want to say. Like, uh, I think that that's just something that. Oh, we think about a lot. And, I, you know, I don't want to create any sort of conversation that might suggest that you should, like, you know, tokenize your friends and make sure that you're checking every single box. Oh, no,
0: but I hear what you're saying. You know, people that? just,
1: you know, don't ever think about how it's, you know, you need to have friends that don't look like you.
0: Well, another thing that is true on that particular point, and this is just, like, these are going to be broad strokes, so. Here for it. Yeah, so so allow that I know that.
1: Love broad strokes. Um.
0: For a certain segment of like what used to be the lesbian community. Hmm. Um, So we've like kind of forked and there's like uh, whatever's going on with the lesbian community that's like really tight about borders. Like who gets to come in and who gets to be considered a woman and all of this like nonsense that Hmm. is in itself like internalized misogyny and a bunch of other horror shows. Uh Um, The other side of that is like. There are a lot of folks who used to identify as like used to, I mean generations ago, maybe as um Stone Butch or, mm. you know, i I know I'm describing to you something that you're mm. already aware of, but yeah, yeah. we're just talking about it.
1: Here for it. Um
0: who used to identify as like Stone Butch or or um like a dyke or whatever who now are identifying as non-binary or who are transitioning or who are who do not identify as non-binary mm. are not transitioning but are having top surgery. Mm. And they're in that part of the lesbian community that still has like lesbian in it, but mm-hmm. is now also like um more inclusive of like bi folks and more inclusive of folks on the across the gender spectrum. I don't know that um gay men get to have that same access because a lot of folks, like just in terms of where we are up until this point, a lot of folks who are trans women came from being straight identified. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And so there's like a difference in terms of like, I actually feel a little bit lucky if you live in like a city like Los Angeles or city like Chicago or city like New York, there's a little bit of like gender fuckage sort of naturally happening. Mm -hmm. Um, for because we talk so much about how much like the privilege that gay men have. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, I'm using like these are broad stroke. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, but one thing that I don't think we often talk about is like the rad privileges that lesbians have. I don't think this is true about race or age. (laughs) Like, I don't think that we're automatically like including people outside of our, Mm -hmm. but I do think that there's some gender stuff happening that we're actually on like the, that we could choose to embrace and, it and, it's naturally happening in our community. Like, this is already just go to like a queer women with like a Y or like a queer, like, yeah. go to that, go to Dyke Day LA. Exactly. Which Dyke Day LA is like the non commercial. Pride event here. It is called yeah. Dyke Day, but it is inclusive. I and love the Dyke March. Representative for it's everybody. Favorite. It's not actually the Dyke. Oh, it's March. not the Dyke
1: March. So it's it is
0: a thing called Dyke Day LA, and it okay. is. It was founded by some folks who, at the time, identified as lesbians, and some of them now identify as trans. Ugh. And so that founding community, the fact that that naturally spans, like, uh-huh. automatically spans this group, like uh-huh. that nugget has built out from there, and it is the most interesting, like group of people that I've that I've ever seen in terms of diversity and it's just because we have this thing built in so I want to just say to to like lesbians that are freaking out out there (laughs) because like they're we do have such a problem of of um, like we can be so shitty to trans women and so dumb and exclusive but we also have this other part of Mm -hmm. ourselves naturally going on so like I know that exists Go find that. If you're a listener to this show, yeah. I swear it's out there and and go find that. It's very cool. It's already happening.
1: And, you know, you bring up a really interesting point in terms of, like, the gender renaissance that is happening right now, aspe- and especially in, like, the gender fuckery and what I feel like gay men are more privy to doing nowadays than we ever were before, as I'm seeing more yes. g- gay men sport, like, you know— manicures and earrings or whatever um, I do feel like gay men to the point that you are making earlier owe this to l- lesbian feminists you're welcome like you lesbian feminists <laughs> created gay men's identities yeah, and, and, sure. and and people also don't know that like this word femme that everyone is you know you, that has like re you know has like gone up and up and up more in the public lexicon a lot within the last few years is a term that was invented by working class lesbians. Yeah, this you is our what I mean? word. And, it, and, it, and it, <laughs> obviously the um, the word femme and butch in opposition to each other are different contexts than the word femme and mask, you know, like, but. Yes. Th- and that's a conversation we don't, we should not have because I'm not the person to have it. But, um, you know, we... As gay men are using the word "fem" more and more and more and more, we don't realize that lesbians invented us. Also, you know what like, I mean? Straight up,
0: uh, white people can also like go ahead and take a seat because yes. it's like we weren't doing that shit. Like <laughs> exactly. I just mean like that's not from that's not from like like that's my like that's like lesbian heritage and so, and some of it is like working class white lesbians, but a lot yeah. of it is also the black community. Exactly. And um, so anyway, my whole my whole point is. Uh, that this is one way in which we could choose to like embrace how rad it is that so many that like and all of the things I just said will not will no longer be true in like six months or like two years like that's the other thing because we are constantly regenerating and we're growing so much which is exciting but it's true right now that like like those folks who identify as lesbians Hmm. we could be on the front lines like we could do this thing okay (laughs) Ryan, you are a delight. Oh my before gosh. I send you back into your life. Oh, right, yeah. I want to ask you to shout out a queero. I have
1: been thinking about this. Yes. Uh, and I asked you if they had to be explicitly queer, and you said no, Mm-mm. they can be queer adjacent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To me, one of my greatest queer icons is Miss Piggy mm-hmm. from The Muppets. <laughs> I believe her to Man, be. Man, fuck you
0: for waiting till I took a like, large <laughs> sip of water.
1: <laughs> Plan that. Sabotage. Um, <laughs> truly tru- maso- misogyny. Um, just trying to get you yeah. a spit take. Um I believe that Piggy, Miss Piggy, is queer spiritually and culturally, uh, in the ways that she shows all the way up. In spaces oh she does not belong. Oh my and God. she, in the ways that, the way she holds herself with a kind of confidence that you would never expect a pig to do, the <laughs> way watched. that she wears beautiful evening gowns, the way that she is a boss, you know, in an office space, the way that she holds men accountable to their actions to me, that is just so deeply queer and such a model of queerness that so many people should adhere to. And she inspires me every day. Oh
0: my God, I love this so Truly. much. Truly.
1: And I, I just, I believe her to be a, a, four, a, a one of the foremost icons of what, of how queer people should be showing all the way up in spaces they think they don't belong. You
0: know what? I'm going to straight up like, Tag this out, which I never do, by saying I don't know if you are too young to have ever seen the television show Muppet Babies. It I was,
1: have seen it. Okay,
0: but it was much more like what I would wake up on Saturday morning for with my older sister. Like for if if you were ten years older than me, I mean if you were if you were ten years older than you, if you were my age, boy would that show have been a big deal in your life. Yeah, and there's a character on that show. <laughs> She like, basically doesn't appear in the rest of the Muppet universe. She is in it sometimes, but it's Scooter and Skeeter. There's these twins. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I remember. Okay, it.
0: anyway, Skeeter, straight up, what's up? Like, ah! that is absolutely a formative lesbian in my life. Yes, Skeeter! Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we should di- go back and
1: dissect all which Muppets were queer someday. All I think the I'll- way Skeeter. I'll have to do a list on yeah. out.com or she- something. Yes,
0: I will <laughs> contribute to this. We can write it together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. you're I'm so glad. I'm so glad to get to know you. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Please,
1: this is absolutely a joy.
0: And friends uh, that listen to this podcast, they might love your podcast. I yes. think they probably will. So check out Food for Thought. Yes. And anything else that you want to shout out?
1: Just that when you spell it out in iTunes or look it up on social media, that it's Food the number four and Thought spelled T H O T. It's not search engine optimized. So yeah, and it's it's a a, a podcast about gay sluts who like to read books um, <laughs> and. Uh, and a, a bunch of other things. Um, it's hosted by four, three other uh, queer writers of color, and we talk about race and identity and sex and gender. And then also subscribe to Out Magazine because it's going to be really great.
0: Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Thanks, friend.
1: Thank you.